I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. Maintaining a connection in your relationship might be one of those things that you think you're doing a really great job at, and then all of a sudden you realize, eh, you could have been doing better. It happens to the best of us, and we're going to talk about the ways that we maintain a connection and ensure that we're, you know, really just staying in touch with each other in hopes that we'll uh, help you guys do the same. Before we get to that today, we need to say a very big thank you to our partners, Promescent.com. Promescent carries some amazing wellness products that are perfect for your sexy bedroom playtime, including their flagship Delay Spray, which is a doctor-recommended spray unlike anything else you'll see on the market. It has amazing absorption technology to ensure that it doesn't transfer to your partner and get them feeling all numb, and you can both really enjoy some sexy time together. So make sure you head on over to Promescent.com, that is P-R-O-M-E-S-C-E ent.com and use our promo code front porch for 15% off of your order. And our other partner today, altplayground.net. If you guys are looking for an amazing non-monogamous adventure, it is definitely the place you're going to want to head. Not only does it have a lot of sexy folks on it that you can connect with and maybe even eventually play with, but you can also check out all of their resources, including their podcast corner, video corner, and the communities, which are put together by some of the most awesome sex positive people out there. So make sure you head on over to altplayground.net today to check it out for yourself. And Brian, I have quite the sex in the news for you today. What is it? I don't know. I'm not even aware yet. (laughs) So the article is from Justin Lee Miller, which I'm a huge, huge fan of him. I think he's amazing. I read all of his stuff. And he recently wrote an article called, Are Condoms Going Out of Style? Six Theories on Why Condom Use is Decreasing. It talks about how the uh, number of people that report having intercourse with condoms every single time has dropped by 5% in the last four years, which I think is really interesting. From 59 percent to 54 percent that seems like a lot and these are obviously people who are not in monogamous relationships these are people who are not fluid bonded with one person they're either non-monogamous or they are single people who are going out and having sex with multiple people etc so what is the what's his rationale for the cause I mean, there's a lot of theories he comes up with. I think the most interesting reason that he cites is that people aren't as scared of STIs as they have been in the past. So Why? It's not like they've gone away. No, they definitely have not gone away. However, you know, now you can get on certain medication to help prevent uh, HIV and AIDS. People, it's certainly not cured by any means. If you if you get HIV, you're going to have it forever. They're not curing herpes. But I mean, you can also it can be basically undetectable in a person who is taking care of themselves and taking all of the necessary medications. So I think that definitely has an impact, especially on younger people who didn't live through the AIDS crisis of the 80s. Also, the vast majority of STIs out there are curable. Yeah, but I mean, in a a time now where we're wearing masks not to get COVID, everybody doesn't think they have to wear condoms. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. We're covering up our faces because we're afraid to cough on each other, but we're going to have sex unprotected. That's totally okay. Yeah, it's one theory that he puts out there. I think... 
for me, the one that most resonates and makes the most sense is a lack of good sex education. The sex yeah. education programs in our country in high schools and even colleges. Are they even still doing sex Almost ed? non-existent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like if it is existent, it's got to be terrible. It was yeah. terrible when I was a kid. It's did you be... have sex education? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And what did they teach you? From what I can recall, I mean, you're talking about a long time ago. <laughs> The absolute basics, and it was taught in health class, which is, which was at that time like a annex of phys ed class, basically. So you had it's like your health teacher or your gym teacher were teaching you. No, no, no. The gym teacher, your phys ed teacher, was separate from the health teacher. But you actually like once a week didn't do phys ed. You went to health class, and it was only for a couple of years of high school. I want to say it was like my junior and senior year, something like that. And it was very benign, you know, it was the reproductive system and condom usage and Mm -hmm. very basic. Yeah. Well, we had an abstinence only sex education program. Yeah, that's not even realistic. As you should know, if you haven't done your research on this, look into it, especially if you're a parent, it doesn't work. Abstinence only sexual education actually has the opposite effect. Yeah. It's like, don't, it's like getting to the top of a ladder and somebody yelling, don't look down. It's exactly the first thing you're going to do. Well, and also, you know, the reality is as teenagers with hormones raging, you're going to have sex. So physiology is against you. Wouldn't you want to, you know, prep them with the knowledge of things like condom usage and STIs and all of those things? For sure. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. It's like saying it's like got driver's ed. You're teaching students how to avoid accidents because typically accidents are unavoidable. And it's like saying, well, you're not going to have an accident. You don't need to worry about this. Right. You know, that's not a thing. That doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah actually, it does. Same mentality. Yeah, it's it crazy. Does. Yeah. That's bizarre. That's that's really strange to me. Yeah. You mean that the condom usage, reported condom usage has gone down? Yeah. Well, us being in the, you know, the lifestyle of ethical non-monogamy, it's a big conversation. It's a topic of conversation very, very often. And it's, you know, you've got a couple of camps. I've only got one of two camps. It's either you practice safe, protected sex or you don't. I would say, based on our experience anyway, the vast majority of folks do practice protected sex. That's a pretty common thing for the most part. There are some folks that don't, but in our space anyway, uh, it's kind of a big thing. Well, there have been many studies that have shown that the STI transmission rate amongst non-monogamous people is significantly lower than the average population. Just like the divorce rate amongst non-monogamous people. That's a whole other conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Well, again, I mean, it's like the idea that there's only one person for every other person, that you're only ever going to find this one person attractive, that you're ever going to want to be physical with this one person is such an abstract concept to me that it, I mean, it never did make sense. Of course, we both tried to live that way for a long time because that's what you, you do, right? very that's long time. For me, forever. Yeah. yeah. But when you think about it, it's like, well, I guess there's only one painting in the world. There's only one masterpiece that I really appreciate. The rest of the paintings, eh, I could do without them. <laughs> You know, there's one, there's really just one dish I just enjoy eating and I don't need to eat anything yeah. else. I always think it doesn't of it, make sense. We always talk on our other show, Front Porch Swingers, in terms of ice cream. To yeah. me, yeah. non-monogamy is like ice cream. I want to go try a new flavor of ice cream every time I go to the ice cream store, right. shop, whatever, yeah. the grocery store, wherever I'm going. Right. And the idea of you can only have Rocky Road for the rest of your life. That well, is the only ice cream you can ever put in your mouth for the rest of your life. Yeah, I don't get you it. You can only have vanilla. That's what you get. You got to like it. It's like, no. Nah, oh, I couldn't I, even do vanilla. I just want to, yeah, I want to I want to change it up. Well, you can't. What do you mean I can't? Well, that's the only flavor for you. Yeah. yeah it, doesn't, it doesn't even sound normal, oh. right? 
Yeah, it's like, ah, I really like the Mona Lisa. Well, that's the only painting you can like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I and, guess. and don't look at any other paintings. No, no. Because the Mona look... Lisa will get her no, feelings no. hurt. No, no. No, for you. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy thought. And then the idea that people are simply not practicing safe sex or, or, as, or as much, I find very strange. Yeah. Is that a, is that a uh, generational thing or is it across the board, did they say? It did. I don't believe that it said that it was generational. It's just It was just a, just a total number across the board. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm really surprised by that. I yeah, why do you strange. think it's people my age that are less likely to, likely to be wearing condoms? I would, I don't know. I, you know, my generation, we had a condom in our wallet, always. Always. Well, to be fair, we've been approached by people your age and the lifestyle who don't wear condoms. Yes, absolutely. A lot of them. And yeah. the only gentleman I've ever played with that basically tried to talk me out of wearing a condom during our intercourse yeah. was someone far closer to your age. Yeah, so in his 40s. I'm not sure it's generational. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I guess I'm str- I struggle a little bit with that that train of thought. Why would you not uh what if that's the one thing that you could do, you know, it's the one thing you have control, complete control over that. You can mitigate some risk right. instantly, right? That's all you got to do. You have all the fun you want to have, but you can mitigate the risk pretty significantly just by strapping up. What's yeah. the problem? Yeah, that's our recommendation. I mean, you know, you you do you, but uh, we we are very big proponents of safe play. Yeah, do whatever you want to do. There's a lot of fluid play in in the space. Matter of fact, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of those spaces soon in an upcoming episode. But the idea that that is the one thing that could potentially keep you from having a good time, right? If that's your hard stop, like I can't wear a condom. That that that's what you're gonna stick to. Yeah, you're gonna. I think you're gonna miss out on a lot. You would. I mean, you certainly would. What up with us? You know, I don't quite understand it. You ain't getting getting this. No, unless you wrap it up. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting one. I'm glad we talked through it because uh, I hadn't even told you about that article yet. No, so that, that was that was you on the fly coming up with your opinion. I knew what your opinion was going to be. Very but. surprised by that. <laughs> it's literally like you know, we talk a lot about our sexual proclivities and our you know in our lifestyle being ethically non-monogamous. We started out like a lot of people with a lot of rules. You know, we had a lot of boundaries. It was boom, 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 right down the list. We had you know five, six, eight limits that we had when we first started to play. The truth of the matter is, like most people, you start to eliminate those rules because you get more comfortable. The one steadfast rule that has always remained, got to have a condom. Yep. It's pretty much the staple. Yeah. You know, we can negotiate basically everything else. That is non-negotiable. Well, that it's also not a compromising thing. It's either yes or no. It's very black and white. Yeah, There's absolutely. no gray area when it comes to it, unlike yeah. almost everything else in the lifestyles. Virtually. Yeah. Virtually everything else is negotiable. That is not. Yeah. <laughs> You want to know what else is not negotiable from my perspective? Sure. Maintaining a good connection with you. Yeah, it's important. We, uh, we've we gotten a lot of correspondence as of late, but certainly over the period over a period of time from couples who are both in the lifestyle and not in the lifestyle about how to stay connected. Yeah. And well, I think it's especially important during this time, given everything that's going on in the world, it's a stressful time for a lot of people. But I also think it's one of those things that, like you said, whether you're monogamous or not monogamous, whether you uh, have children or don't have children, whatever the situation that you find yourself in, every relationship takes effort. And a lot of times when you get comfortable, that amazing new relationship energy has kind of worn off and you're left to really work through a relationship, you don't put as much effort into the little things. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, let's not even worn off, right? Life happens. Yeah. You know, you you start creating lives for each other, for yourselves as as couples, right? Things change, dynamics change, jobs change. All those things take place. And I don't want to say that the luster or the newness wears off, certainly, but 
life happens. Yeah. And, and you've got to, you have to negotiate those things. You've got to maneuver around those things. You know? Well, I think maintaining that connection is really easy when you're in a brand new relationship because like I said, new relationship energy is a real thing. You find the hormones in your brain make you want to feel connected to that person, makes you want to be around them and do nice things for them and you know have more of that sexual connection. And that's typically why at the beginning of a relationship, you're having sex like rabbits, especially if it's good sex. Yeah. So there's all of these ways that you are going out of your way to feel close to that person because you're developing a new bond with them. Yeah. Once that bond is formed and like you said, life starts to happen and you start to kind of settle into your roles within the relationship, a lot of times the importance and the priority of making your partner feel special or sexy or whatever it is that they want and need to feel in the relationship takes a backseat. Yeah, it's one of the things that takes the first backseat, right? Oh, well, it's just my, it's my significant other, you know, the old ball and chain, been together forever. Uh, I'll call her back. You right. Know, yeah, I'll... I'll I'll take her out of the closet and dust her off. We'll go out to dinner one one day next month. You know, that kind of thing. And I say that in jest, of course, but we've heard things similar to that that weren't too far from that from couples. Vanilla couples are friends. And, you know, my friends, certainly, I've, I've heard that a number of times. That, you know, when was the last time you guys went out on a date? A what? Like, we... Like they look at you like you're crazy. Right. Yeah, you gotta, you, you've got to do those things. You've got to make time, find time for each other. I talk about it as the uh, the new car syndrome. Get a new car right? Brand new car. It's got that new car smell. You're washing that thing every couple of days. Nobody's eating or drinking in that thing. I mean, nothing, right? right? Yeah. Then about six months down the road, eh, you stop, you go through the drive-thru, you get a cup of coffee. Now you're starting to drink coffee in the car. Your friend's drinking coffee in the car. You're spilling shit in the car. You know, stuff happens. And then, you know, a couple of years down the road, you're not washing this thing. You're not doing anything. No more wax, no more wash, no more nothing. Now it's just a car. Right. Well, it's not that you, you paid for it. You paid the same amount of money for it. It's costing you the same money. He's paying for insurance and all those things. But the newness is worn off. Right. You know, you're not as excited about it anymore. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it's it. It's the same kind of concept, but it still belongs to you. It's still important to you. You've got to maintain it or it's going to break down on you. Yes. Got to change the oil. Got to take your wife out to dinner. Oh, I don't like that analogy, though. I don't like that at all because it shouldn't be a chore. No, no. Listen, this I... isn't a chore. This is something you should want to do if something's important to you. The relationship is important. My my maintaining a positive space within my relationship is important. Right. That has to be something that matters, right? Sure. My vehicle is my mode of transportation. It is how I earn a living. It's what provides me the opportunity to earn a living. I have paid my hard-earned dollars for it. It should matter to you. Right. It's a tangible item once you own it outright anyway. And it's that same kind of mentality. If something matters to you, whatever the reason, if it's important to you, you've got to take care of it and maintain it. Sure. You know, that's just all there is to it. And I would like to think for most people, their relationship, whatever that looks like, whatever form it takes, matters to them. Well, I would hope so. (laughs) In most cases. Now, we have run into some folks that that's not necessarily the case, which is obviously why we're talking about this today and how to get that spark back, how to make it, how to make that relationship matter to you again. So let's, we've talked about date night a couple times already on the show today. Yeah, date night's important. Let's talk about why and let's talk about the ways in which we have really incorporated that into our lives. Well, let's talk about this first. A couple of things. We have multiple date nights. We have date night, date night, where we plan a date. That could be a reservation at our favorite restaurant. Uh, it could be meeting out for a drink. Whatever that date, your your standard quote unquote date would be. And then we have sexy date night. Right. Where each of us has a night of the week every week to plan a sexy date night. Right. 
That could coincide with stereotypical date night, or it can be an off night of, stere- of stereotypical date night, right? right? So that's an intimate date. That means maybe you're going to sit up the room with candles and put on lingerie, and you're going to burn some incense, and you're going to give me a full body massage, and you know all those kinds of things. Or I'm going to run a bath for you. We're going to throw a bath bomb in there. Again, we're going to light some candles, put on some soft music. All that kind of stuff. Whatever it looks like for you for sexy date night. That's very different from going out, having a drink, having dinner, having alone time, real conversation, no cell phone date night. Right. Those things are important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, so there's a couple things that I wanted to touch base with in terms of of dates. I think a lot of times if couples are going on dates, they get into a routine of date night means we make a reservation at the same restaurant. We go there, we have dinner, we have the, we order the same thing. We talk about the same things and we leave and then we go home and it becomes just another part of a routine versus a chance to really connect and share and break away from the monotony, right? It becomes part of the monotony if you do it that way. Absolutely. It'd be, it just, it just, it's an extension of the monotony. Exactly. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like another thing that you're adding or your bucket of, of things you have to do for the week. Yeah, and then it becomes a chore. Then it's like, oh, tonight's date night. Right, That's what it becomes. And then you've just completely defeated the purpose of date night. So I strongly believe that they have to be either spontaneous, you're going out and just kind of doing something on a whim, or you're mixing things up, you're going to different restaurants, you're doing different types of dates. Granted, right now, things are a little weird in the world, so I totally understand that things are maybe not as open to in terms of possibilities as they should be and will be again in the future. But the point is... You should be mixing it up and not doing the same thing over and over again. The other thing, and we see this constantly, this is like the my biggest pet peeve in terms of going on dates and seeing other people while we're out, is that they take this time not to connect with each other, but to just like have their time by themselves. Right. So you see couples out, they don't, they're not talking to each other, they're on their phones, or they're talking about nothing but work, and it's their chance to vent to that person about everything going on versus a time to really enjoy the other person's company. Right. And we see that a lot. We've we've seen it a number of times, particularly as you mentioned, somebody really just kind of verbalizing how bad their day was. Yep. You know, we, we, we've sat next to couples, overheard couples talking about their day, whether, whether it was the, you know, if it's a heteronormative couple, whether it was the male or the female or whatever the case may be. And that's really, that tells me a couple of things. One, they've completely missed the point of being out together and spending that time together. That's the obvious. But two, if they're doing that, at a time when you should be engaging with one another about anything other than work and negativity, it tells me that they're not talking to each other at home under normal circumstances. Because if you are doing that at home, this is the time to put that aside. Well, and that's what brings me to my point, which is we have, we're not big rule followers. If you guys hadn't picked that up at this point, yeah. we don't really like following not rules. Not super conformist. Putting ourselves in boxes. Not really so much our thing. But we do have a couple of rules for date night. One is that, you know, maybe we're taking a quick photo and posting it somewhere, but that's all of the interaction that we have on our phones. And also we take the time to talk about our days before we go out to dinner. Right. So and that is not in the, that's not the car ride if we are actually getting in a car and driving somewhere it's literally before you leave the house physically while you're still at the house like i will get home from work if i had a crud day at work but i know we're going on date night i take that five minutes to verbalize to you that it was a shit day so that because you do you need to decompress you need to get that off your your shoulders especially with you know your partner and the person you trust most in the world but date night is not the time for that so you do it before you get 
it all off your chest. You start with a fresh energy and then you walk out the door to date night. Absolutely. And once date night has commenced, that stuff's out the window. Yes. And for us, you know, and when I say date night, yes, we do. We are fortunate. We have the opportunity to go out in our town. We're pretty much open. Of course, we are all wearing masks and doing all that kind of thing as is mandated. But we can go out and, and ple- see places and go to and have a drink and have, have dinner and different events. However, there's been a number of times where I've said, hey, date night's at home. Be home, you know, such and such a time. Table is set, dinner's made, and we just have a date night. We'll watch a movie or we'll uh, have dinner and then get in the in the, tu- in the pool naked and have a drink. <laughs> and that's that's happened a number of times. It's a blow-up so, kiddie pool, by the way. We're, yeah, not, yeah, we're don't, not fancy enough for a yeah, real no, pool. No, don't, get, don't let your imagination get away with you. Not much use for a pool in the state of Montana all year round. So, you know, we'll just hop in, get cool, have a drink, hang out, laugh, or sit by the fire pit. We do that a lot. Yeah. And so it really is just getting out of a rut. And when we do go out, we typically go to our downtown area and we frequent the same places, but we'll even park in different parts of downtown and walk. Yeah. Take a different route to get someplace just so we're having a conversation. Or we'll go and we'll check in at a restaurant knowing full well we're not going to be able to just walk in and get a seat, put our name on the list and go down the street and have a drink somewhere else. Right. And then we'll go back and have dinner. You just want to keep it interesting. You don't want to continue to do the same thing as you said over and over, simply creating more rut. Yes. That's kind of kind of defeats the whole purpose. Absolutely. And then let's talk about sexy date night because a lot of my suggestions for vanilla date night on the town or in your home or whatever, non-sexual date nights is very similar to our sexy date nights. We do not do the same thing over and over again. For example, you mentioned massages and lighting candles. That is one thing that we've done on a few occasions, but that is not our weekly sexy date night. We switch it up once again because we don't want to create the monotony. We don't want the expectation of, okay, it's Tuesday night. I guess I'm going to go get naked and lay down for a massage. You know what I mean? Then it's not sexy and it's not about connection. It's about routine. Yeah. And and of course, we have a very different dynamic than a lot of people. So we obviously implement BDSM into our world of play. So that will oftentimes be a a portion of our our intimate date nights. Sure. So there's a lot of different... Directions. Oh, and even if you're not into kink, I mean, think of no. all the different toys that you can use, the different outfits. If you're into role playing, try that. Watch porn together. I mean, there are so many things that people can do. And I feel like that will also bleed into the non-sexy date nights. Do you know what I mean? You'll find something that you like, a toy that you like, and all of a sudden it'll make you think of something else that you'd like to incorporate in. And then it just makes everything more varied and sexy. Absolutely. Sexy date night could also include a trip to the toy store. Hell yeah. And, you know, obviously choosing something that is going to work for both of you or for one of you, whatever the case may be, and back to the house you go and, and, you know, you you enjoy that time. You've just got to be creative. You got to step outside the box if you find yourself in one and certainly break up the monotony. It's just another way to stay connected. And there's a lot of folks out there, vanilla and, you know, ethically non-monogamous who find that difficult. Yes. So another thing that we want to cover is the concept of communication. Uh, and how that can really make your connection stronger with your partner. And what I mean by that is when you're apart for the entire day, you know, typically most couples don't work together. They're not home together all the time, although more people are now. But typically speaking, you're not with your partner all day long. And so it's very easy for eight, nine, 10 hours to go by without that connection being established. And I feel like one of the things that we do a really good job of is finding little pockets of time to still connect with each other. For sure. And even now where people are at home a lot more, 
that's even a greater time for people to fall off of the the idea of having that intimate time or that communication because then it, you just take it for granted because the person's there and you don't really pay attention to it. Yeah. So for me, I think the, the a bigger piece even than just a communicative piece is like flirting. The Ooh. flirty kind of communication. Yeah. You know, even if you're in the same house, you and I do it a lot. Yeah. If you're upstairs in the bathtub, I'm downstairs, I'm in the kitchen or whatever, you'll send me a picture of yourself in the bathtub. Yep. Just like, hey, here I am. And Don't you know, forget about me. I'm up here naked. Yeah. Just that kind of <laughs> little flirty stuff. Yeah. Or if you do find yourselves working apart or someone's at home and someone's at work, you know, away from home, sending a, a, just a sexy little text message or a picture on your break or at your desk or whatever, right. something really just innocuous, just keeping in touch with one another. But I really do feel like flirting is a big deal. You don't see enough of that, but we don't see it at all hardly when we're out. I think people kind of stare at us a little bit. We we notice it because people see us all the time. We're constantly touching each other, right? It's that art of the touch. Right. Even at dinner, very innocently, sitting at a bar, sitting at a table, my hand is on yours or my arm is around yours, my arm is around your chair, whatever the case may be. We just find ourselves in a situation a lot of times where we just want to, they, we want that sensation of touching one another. Yes. And that's really all it is. Nothing more to it. You don't need to, nobody needs to think about it any further than that. It's just <laughs> staying in touch with your partner. And the more we look around, the less we see it. Yes. It's very obvious to me. Now, we obviously noticed today, we were actually out at brunch today. You picked up very quickly that the couple next to us at the bar was on a first date. Yes. And it was very obvious once you said it to me. They were sitting four feet apart from each other. <laughs> their, their their posture was very kind of awkward. And then, as you said, they started talking about the weather. Yep. And it was kind of very nervous laughter. And it was very cute, but it was very obvious. Yes. Which we we kind of, we cue on that right away. You know, then you got another couple who's clearly been together long enough to know that they are not happy with each other's company and they don't speak to each other. They don't even look at each other. In fact, they were staring directly ahead. There wasn't, there wasn't even a sporting event on the TV that they were looking at. I don't know what they were staring at, but they were just looking <laughs> at the TV. Anything but each other. <laughs> anything but one another. Yeah. And it's so, it, like you got those two very stark differences, you know, brand new date, super engaged, looking at each other, facing each other, sitting down at a bar, but sitting toward one another. Giggle. Giggling yeah. over dumb conversation. And then on the flip side, you get this couple who's obviously been clearly been together a while. They probably know each other pretty well. Yeah. They're eating and not even talking to one another, staring into space for 30 or 40 minutes, not even an interaction. Well, and what's so interesting is us sitting there in between those two ends of the spectrum really does make you realize how much you need to, to maintain some of that sexy energy yeah. and how it can very easily slip away from you. 100%. And I think, yeah, like you were saying, the physical touch is a big one for us. It's one of those things that if you're not finding ways to touch your partner, you need to start. Yeah. And listen, flirting, it's, it, flirting is so much fun. When we are out, well, let's say pre the world falling apart, we would be sitting together someplace at one of our favorite little haunts. And we would appear as though we were a couple that had just met. Because you would, you know, I would kiss you on the cheek or on the neck, just move your hair behind your ear. You know, those that's flirting. Whether yeah. you know it or not, people, that's flirting. You're flirting with one another and it's totally normal to flirt with your partner. Yeah. And when other people see that, it's contagious. People smile. The bartender gets engaged. Yep. They communicate with you more. They communicate with you differently once they realize that you actually like one another. They start to talk to you. Yeah, and you're happy to be there. There's nothing worse, having been in the hospitality industry 
for my entire life than watching a couple awkwardly sit next to one another or at the same table and have zero interaction. The staff does not want to interact with you either right. because you're giving off that vibe. They're even concerned about approaching the table for fear that they're going to interrupt something that's unpleasant. But if you're having a good time and you're you're kind of flirty with your partner, all of a sudden, everybody around you just becomes more friendly. Yeah. It happens to us all the time. Absolutely. And flirting can look like so many different things. I think a lot of times people think of flirting in terms of, like you said, just touching or, or putting your you know hair behind your ear, those types of things. My favorite type of flirting that you provide to me is compliments. Right. You know, you're constantly saying, oh, you look so pretty in that, or that looks really nice on you, or you call me cutie pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's those little things. It takes almost no effort, but as soon as you you say it to me I feel this like resonance of energy I'm like oh this feels good like good I spent time getting ready and the person that I love most that I was that I wanted to look good for recognizes that that effort was put in well I also think people need to realize that that flirting for example that starts far earlier than the date does if you're going out on date night for example for that flirting starts first thing in the morning you know, it starts, it's in the middle of the afternoon when you're, you know, you're sending that flirty text message. Can't wait for date night. Looking yeah. forward to date night. Yeah, for you know, sure. That's when all of that begins. That's just kind of the antithesis that when you're together, yes. you know, but that flirting should take place throughout the course of the day. And that's something you, you should be doing anyway. Just staying engaged with your partner. That is a form of flirting, whether, you know, people realize that or not. So obviously we have a lot of people listening to the show that are lifestylers, which is fantastic. But I think it's also important to note that a lot of times what happens, especially if you've been in the lifestyle for a long time, we've talked to couples who consider themselves vets in the lifestyle and and they're very comfortable with flirting with other people and going out on these sexy dates with others and all parties involved really enjoy the dynamics that are created through that flirting with other people. But it's almost as if that flirty energy is reserved for other people more so than for your partner at times. And I think that's something that needs to be considered by especially, like I said, veteran lifestylers. Yeah, we've we've seen that. We've experienced it where couples are very, very comfortable engaging either with us or, or other couples or other singles, but have very little interaction with one another. And then should you have or should we have the opportunity to speak to them as a, as a couple or even individually yourself or myself talking to either one of the other partners, they don't have a lot to say about one another, almost as if there's a they're disengaged that they're more interested in the potential opportunity of playing with other people or engaging with other people than they are with each other. Like the reason they're in the space, they forgot why they were in the space to begin with. Yes, I think that's definitely part of it. I guess more so what I'm even talking about than that is, I'll provide an example. I had a fantastic conversation via Instagram with a listener the other day that was talking about the, the concept of her husband is very into the digital communication with other people. That's something that he really needs in order to get to know somebody and feel some level of sexual attraction to them. Similar to us, we prefer to do it in person, but for him, he really likes to express himself via text and via words right. and and he's good at it and because of that when he starts engaging with someone new he spends a lot of time digitally corresponding with them you know it's it's long stretches of time that he's texting back and forth it becomes flirtatious and her question to me was you know, I don't mind that he's flirting with someone else. I actually like that part of it. But I find myself getting jealous about the time that's being invested. And I feel like it's taking away from us. Yeah, as soon as that happens, you've run into a problem. 
And I, you know, I asked if, if she had communicated that to him and she said that she had and he had kind of pulled back, but it still didn't feel 100% right. And my suggestion to her was, well, tell him that he really needs to start doing that with you as well. Is he texting you? Is he sending you messages throughout the day and expressing himself verbally or I should say via word with you? If he's not, you know, that same level of effort or more effort really needs to be put in with your partner as compared to the other people that you're flirting with. Yeah, if your partner requires that, if that's something your partner needs, then you certainly need to step that game up. There are some folks out there, I'm sure, that like the idea that their partner is engaged thoroughly with someone else. There's a turn on there and, and there's a kink there and a fetish there, totally get that. But in a situation like this where you know it's been, ver- it's been vocalized, I need this, I'm not really thrilled about how this is going, you know, that's not just a red flag. You just got hit in the head with a flag. So you really need to pay a little bit more attention to that. And I think it's important that, like she did, she communicated that to her partner. Yes. And let him know after, from the sounds of it, after her and my conversation, that one way that he can really improve upon that is not to stop texting other people, right. but to still provide her with that flirty energy too. To her, it was it was about time and energy. It wasn't about jealousy towards another woman and i think that that's so important in the lifestyle in terms of always maintaining a a connection with your partner and never taking your partner for granted in those ways i think a lot of times lifestylers are like we have such a great relationship we're so in tune with one another that i can kind of step back a little bit and focus my energy and my efforts elsewhere and not worry as much about the connection with my partner. And that is the worst thing you can do in this lifestyle. We've heard from a couple, a couple of different couples, this, this kind of particular topic where we are now, let me, let me back up. We're a couple who does enjoy separate room play as well as same room play, depending on the situation. I remember very distinctly a particular time when we met with a couple who enjoyed separate room play almost exclusively and the, the male partner's reason for that to me was, well, we see each other all the time. We can play with each other all the time. It's really time for us to connect with, with other people. And I thought, okay, that's your thing. Cool. But I did find it a little strange. I get it. You don't want to necessarily engage with another couple in the same room for various reasons. We have our reasons. But our reasons are not because we don't want to be around our partner or that we've had enough time with our partner, spent enough time with our partner. It's very different. And that being a reason for me, it was slightly off-putting, I got to be honest. And of course, we did not engage with that couple. But I found that to be a little little strange. Yeah, yeah. And once again, just proof of maybe like, eh, are you putting enough effort into the main, the maintenance of the connection between the two of you? Yeah, absolutely. And or this, are you using this as a crutch to not have to connect with each other as much, which is a huge problem. Yeah. And, and again, there's ve- it's very difficult to diagnose these situations like this because there's a kink, there's a fetish, there's a turn on for everybody. And that could easily be their thing. Mm-hmm. For us, it's not. In actuality, it's, it's a little bit of a concern when we kind of interact with a couple like that because it puts us in an awkward position. Right. We don't want to come off as a couple that does that or that behaves and plays that way. And we don't certainly don't want to be the catalyst for any issues between another couple. Right. So for us, it's a little it's a little bit of a delicate balance. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's obviously a, a plethora of different ways that you can maintain a connection with your partner. But I think the end goal should always be the same, which is. You're never going to maintain what you have at the beginning of a relationship for your entire relationship. That's that's not the point of what I'm trying to get across here. But there is that excitement and that energy that you have in the beginning of a relationship that doesn't need to go away. That right. doesn't have to dissipate just because you, you know, spend 
five or 10 or 20 or 40 years together or because you have kids or because your jobs get insane. I think the biggest thing that can come out of a general maintenance of connection is the idea that your partner is always first. Yes. And very few people take that seriously. In my opinion, from speaking to a lot of my friends, from us going out and seeing people in public, etc. So it's not necessarily about not allowing outside forces to come in because that's that's inevitable, right? Like that happens. I think about the times, especially with jobs, there have been very stressful times professionally for both of us. Sure. And the way we were able to get through those was by leaning on each other and still making each other the priority. Yeah. And well, and, and in that comes, that's where the date nights come from. It's where the intimate and sexy date nights come from. We know instinctively that our weeks are going to be crazy at times. Our jobs are going to be, they're demanding and there are going to be days where we are just not feeling sexy. And for us, what we have done is since we know that ahead of time, we've said, okay, regardless of what happens, it's Tuesday or it's Thursday or it's Wednesday, we each pick days. So we know the following week what days are they're going to be. So no matter what takes place on that day at work or whatever, we know intuitively that we have got to be on for our partner. Right. That's the primary goal. And it's that's how you get past all those things. That's how you make the crappy days and it much more insignificant. Well, it's also the small little things, right? Like we have a, a couple that's on our Telegram group that I just had this great conversation with the other day. I don't even think I told you about this, but they were talking about the, she was talking about the concept of wanting to do little things for her partner. She is somebody who is in an, a newer relationship. She spent a long time in a not very healthy and, and productive relationship. She's now in an amazing relationship where she's really happy and she understands the importance of maintaining that. So what she'll do, for example, is like leave little sticky notes in places for him, just little sayings, little cute little things. And she always signs it with her name, the name that he calls her, you know, and she'll leave them all over the place for him to find. Sure. That takes almost no time whatsoever, but it's still when he sees that it's got to be an energy boost for him. And it's got to be a reminder of someone caring deeply about him. And there's so many ways to do that. I also think one of the other things that we were talking about today when we were talking about this episode is acts of service, which you are amazing at. Um, If you guys aren't aware of the five love languages, you should definitely read that book. Our love language, our primary love language is touch. And we're, we're very lucky in that we both have that as our primary love language because we're very compatible in that way. One of the other love languages for you that you express to me is acts of service. So it's a lot of things like I'm going to have dinner ready for you when you walk in the door. I know that you've been having a crazy week. So dinner is going to be sitting there ready for you. Or, you know, I love my kiddie pool. (laughs) No, it's stupid. But when I come home and the water's clean and ready for me to get in and you've taken that time to like clean out the pool and have it going for me, it's like, oh, that feeling of it just makes makes me it reminds me that you care very deeply well these are things that are that really are effortless and it it takes it takes nothing to do them other than a a simple thought and then just to carry it out but it goes it it pays dividends for your relationship and particularly for your 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 respective partner's happiness certainly which also pays dividends so not thinking about your partner not putting your partner first in in all these situations it's really going to be detrimental to you down the road and those things add up right it's like a death by a thousand cuts Right. It's not any one thing. It's just a whole lot of little things. Right. But at the same time, if you do those little things, they add up. Yeah. 
And then my, I would say, secondary love language is words of affirmation. So right. I love the texting. I love letting you know I'm thinking of you. I miss you. I love you. Love you most. Yeah. You know, it once again takes almost no time. It's just that quick thought. And I think what's most important in, in terms of those types of things, the communication and my words of affirmation for you is that because they're so easy and small, it almost seems like, well, if I do them or I don't do them, it's not that big of a deal. You yeah, know what I mean? but it is a big deal. Everyone likes to look at their phone and see a text message from someone that matters to them. Yeah, well, and it also deal. adds up because it's every day. I try to do it yeah. every single day and let you know I'm thinking of you. Yeah, no matter how crazy the day gets, no matter how busy we are, how far apart we are, if we're traveling separately or you know when we were able to do that or had to do that, it, it doesn't matter. As long as that's done, it makes a difference. Yeah. It adds up. It, it 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 does pay dividends. As I said, in totality, it makes a huge difference. It really does. Yeah. And it's effortless. Effortless. You've just got to be thinking about your partner, putting your partner first. That's what you're doing, essentially. Yeah. Putting your relationship first. Yeah. And also knowing your partner. I think one of the most important things in terms of all of this, in terms of what is truly going to make them feel special and cared for and connected to you is what is it that is important to them? What is it that's going to put a smile on their face? And right. once again, if you don't know your partner very well, you could be thinking that you're doing all of these amazing efforts, putting in all this energy and effort, and it's really not paying any dividends in terms of the you know overall health of your relationship because it's not the right type of energy or effort. And yeah. it's not being received in the way that you are hoping it's going to be. Well, that all starts again. You know, We started out talking about how to maintain that relationship and how to really continue the continuity of a relationship you have to have those those basics you know that foundation has to be there and certainly whether you're a ethically non-monogamous or completely monogamous couple you really need to have those conversations and we've talked about this before i know how difficult some of these conversations can be but knowing what your partner genuinely needs not just from an intimacy perspective but what they need emotionally is gigantic yeah. for the success of that relationship Absolutely. So some major takeaways and things to consider from from this discussion, hopefully that you're gleaning from our discussion today, is first of all, date nights. We cannot say it enough. If ever a couple comes to us and says that they are not on the same page or they don't feel connected to each other, that is the first question we ask. Are you taking time for date nights? And if so, what do those date nights look like? And then the second piece of it is finding ways to make your partner happy, even in small, teeny ways that take very little time and energy yeah just as you said those acts of service the acts of kindness the small stuff we understand that there are people out there who have children and your lives are crazy and of course a lot of people can't go too far away from home can't stray away from home don't have the opportunities that we do fortunately because of where we live you can still create those date nights and those intimate times you just have to be creative yes you just got to be creative and you've got to put each other first that's the key 100%, no question about it. If you don't, we've seen it. We've talked to people both in and out of the lifestyle, vanilla and, and, and uh, ethically non-monogamous, and they, they're just unhappy. We have come across it so many times. Yeah. You've got to do it. Do you want to know what my favorite, one of my favorite memories with you was that it made me feel incredibly connected to you? Sure. When we recreated our very first date night. Yeah. I, we, listen, we strongly suggest that. If you can do it at this point in time, if you, have, if you can manage to pull that off... 
it's an amazing opportunity. For us, we had a very interesting date night. We went to multiple places, obviously. Yeah. Um, we had like a tour of our downtown together. Yeah, because I was new to town, essentially. Yeah. And so we recreated that date uh, on our first anniversary, yep. first year anniversary. And it was amazing. And the looks we were getting even from the people in some of these places, because over the course of the year, we became, you know, we were, we were regular haunts for us, those places. And the staff was kind of looking at us like, you two are pretending like you don't know each other. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, we literally acted like we did not know who the other person was like yeah. it was truly our first date yeah 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 it was a lot of fun just and getting we, getting to kind of know each other again yeah well we found ourselves asking questions of each other that either we knew the answer to but it was being said in a little bit different way or right. i think we even asked each other questions that we had really never asked each other yeah and we're learning new things about each other even though we'd been together for an entire year yep. so just throwing that out there if you're uh, needing some date night inspiration or another way to feel connected with your partner highly recommend putting that on your list and for me i think one of the most fun date nights we did, which was it was a while back, we actually went out separately, met separately, and pretended not to know each other purposely so that I could try to pick you up. <laughs> yeah, that was so fun. <laughs> it was a blast. So highly recommend that. Spoiler See, alert, he totally picked me up. <laughs> well, and, but again, I think you really, you know, if you really want to get to know your partner, it's been a while, it's been a couple of years since you guys really genuinely deeply connected, go out separately, land at a place, Obviously, make sure you're at the same place and sit next to each other at a bar and have, strike up a conversation as if you don't know one another and try to pick up your significant other. I don't care who you are. I was sweating. Yeah, I you was were nervous. nervous. You were. Because I was genuinely like trying. I thought, okay, am I going to be able to do this a second time? Like <laughs> genuinely trying to like make sure I got it right. Yeah. I had to be charming. Right, we were charming. I'd be funny. I mean, all those things, polite and yep. charismatic, and which none of those things I am. So I had to no, try to be all those, of things. those things. So silly. yeah, so it was really. I mean, I was I was stressed. There was yeah. some stress, and then it was a blast afterwards. Of Absolutely. course, spoiler alert: I totally got lucky that night, but. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. And I totally suggest doing that kind of fun stuff. Just step outside the box. Just meet your partner. Call your partner or text your partner and say, hey, leave and work such and such a time. Meet you at XYZ. Wear this outfit and uh, save me a seat at the bar. And then try to pick them up. Him or he or her, she or she, whatever. Them. Pick them up. Yeah. It's amazing. It's an amazing time. Yeah, absolutely. So get on it, people. Plan your next sex Get creative. Night. And just stay connected with your partner, especially during these crazy times. And if there's anything that we can do to help you guys with that, we obviously have coaching services available via our website, sexonyourterms.com. It is what we love doing more than anything else in the world, helping people find their own forms of happiness, both via sex and relationships and everything in between. So you can find all that information at sexonyourterms.com. If you guys have suggestions for things that you would like to hear on the show or questions for us, you can shoot them over to us at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. And you can also connect with us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at sexonyourterms. We want to give a very big thank you to those of you who have already left Apple reviews for us. It helps immensely. You guys have no idea how much that supports us and the show by doing that. Just a couple of minutes of your time makes a huge difference. So thanks to those who have already done it. Yes, thank you very much, everyone. And I think that is what we have until next week. And until we speak to you again next Wednesday, we hope you enjoy sex on your terms.